heaven high. This is an emergency broadcast of Rum Doings. Welcome to this austere but important output, the topic which nevertheless needs to be instantiated as part of the uh, validation of the broadcast is... Otherwise bedlam, bedlam would ensue. Is, and, and be very careful that you decrypt it properly, uh-huh. why did they start messing about with the shapes of tea bags? Very good. Okay, so I've, I've called this emergency meeting of, of rum doings equivalent of Cobra... Which you really have. I mean, it is now eleven thirty-three at night on a Friday. So he it is. I, I, I was this afternoon. I was uh, back in my old haunting ground of Moreland Road in Bath, um, and I popped into a pet shop to get some cat food for Dexter. That's As how... not for Lucy. Uh, no, I've already got. I've got plenty for Lucy already. I need yeah. some for Dexter. All right, because you hate Lucy. I hate little cow. Mm. Um, and in the pet shop, they were playing Radio 2. Right. See, I I'm really am born to be on Radio 2. Excellent. For our American listeners, what's Radio 2? It's uh, the second. It's the light programme. It sort of has middle-of-the-road music and occasionally Wurlitzer organs. Is it again? Big band. They have a big band show. Mm. Um, it's, it's a horrible radio station that just plays the songs you already know. Over and over again. With banter. Uh, it's yes. And uh, upon this programme is a radio broadcaster called Mr. Stephen Wright. Yes. Not, well, Steve Wright, so that's not, because otherwise Stephen Wright is, of course, the very talented uh, United States of America stand-up comedian. And he's been a cheesy DJ since 1872. Indeed. Um, he uh, used to be on Radio 1, on the Radio 1 Breakfast Show. Uh, then the World Service. And he, oh God, oh, I'd forgotten about his yes. World Service. We've talked about that on Rob Doings, haven't we? Because it was yes. so bad. Yeah. So um, I think it's important that we just begin by mentioning the flexi disc from the front cover of whatever magazine it was Yes, in the 90s, where Chris Morris put together, just for some reason, back when he was talented, put together... Um, some rec- bizarre little recordings. He did an extraordinary good and funny uh, spoof of um, a band that's name has entirely escaped me. Help, help me. Help me, the Pixies. The Pixies, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely extraordinary. And there's a yeah. bunch of other stuff. And one of the tracks was uh, his mocking Steve Wright. With a character he'd created quite early in his career, um, on Greater London Radio called Winker. Winker. Yes. Winker in the afternoon. Winker in the afternoon. And what was good, similarly to uh, what other radio heroes of ours have done, is they, they did a very lo-fi um, multi-tracking mashup and did all the voices, for example, um, like John Shuttleworth and, yes. and so forth. And he did this. So he created he created the whole, um, what do they call it? The whole zoo. Zoo. Out with his own voice and uh, and and the jingles and everything, very good. It was brilliant, and it's superbly spoofed. Steve Wright. What I heard on the radio twenty years tunes. later, Steve Wright still doing it. Yes, <laughs> what I heard in the chip sh- in the chip shop, if only the f- the f- pet shop today. Let me just stop you there, mm-hmm. um, just to give people a small taste of the sort of thing that he was parodying. Um, they were talking about. Um, 
just ludicrous things and how there were small the small CDs were coming out the mini CDs and said well mini CDs coin could use using this coins of money uh, and and then uh, various other it's using more plastic and that's going to melt the ice caps and then yeah. the dinosaurs will come back yes exactly that well, that was the intense um, environmental discussion by do you remember what her name was uh was that tits yes <laughs> What do you think, fish? What do you think, uh, tits? Fish and chips, and so on. Right. Yeah. So anyway, he, 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 what I heard today, it's, it's, it's. I described it to you earlier. It's as if that spoof that Chris Morris did were the reality. Right. That was. That's how Steve Wright. He was that bad. This how it would have to be the spoof of that. What actually happened today? Thus, it's also where the phrase spoof. It's... Yeah, indeed. But it's also where the phrase love the show, Steve, comes from, which his colleagues have now started mocking him for because people will always write into him and say, love the show, Steve. And he will always, of course, quote that. Uh, so even on quite mainstream programs like, indeed, the Kermode and Mayo uh, film review, when people write in, they say, love the show, Steve, which Kermode and Mayo read out. That's good. Yeah. That was uh, uh, um, Herring and Collins did that on their Radio 6 programme, didn't they? Indeed, so. Yeah. They insisted people say, love the show, Steve. And um, I believe, actually, I also believe that um, that that Buxton did that too. Oh, right. Yeah, well, and it's Buxton. fun to remember, this, is a, this, is on, this isn't a minor local radio programme. This is a national radio programme with, with frightening numbers of listeners. And it's a national radio station in a way that even America doesn't have national radio stations because it's most things there are syndicated. Um, it has a popularity and uh, and I suppose in a weird way a gravitas even with its lightness that uh, no American station has achieved since the 40s when, of course, it ceded to commercial television. So in, in, in that context... Even within that context, even with the context of a national radio programme, he was still reading out, listening to the show as I'm driving along, Stephen, and just wanted to say I'm having a lovely time, going home to the wife. And he actually had someone saying, we're uh, making, uh, making a roast, uh, roast dinner tonight, thanks, Steve. And he said, with, um, and he didn't say with dumplings, he said with, with dumpers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the non- this is nothing compared to what I'm going to play you now. This isn't the bit you were using when we were testing audio, is it? No, this is not. We, we, I think, well, let's, should we just play that now just to give an example of <laughs> yes. what we're dealing with here? Yes. So this is, uh, what happened was I heard this in the in the pet shop. Uh, I stood there in, in sheer disbelief. Uh, yes. And then when I got back tonight, I have, um, I went through Listen Again, and I've just, I was looking for the clip, the moment. Can you imagine searching within three hours of that torture <laughs> yes. to find one remark? Yes. Um, and I did it, but on the way on my journey, I found uh, another moment in which he said, and and I've listened to it quite a few times now because I was just wondering whether he was joking, and and he's he just isn't joking. No, this is isn't. completely sincere. So I'm going to play. It. I'll play it to you it's, now. It's a and public then, service announcement. And so what I'm going to do is I'll play it to you now down the microphone. And I'll I'll cut in the better version so the listeners at home will hear it beautifully. They'll hear the spliced version. Yeah. Okay, so so this I just want you to hear it again, even though you've already heard it because it's yes. so great. Here we go. Okay, some pretty bad weather around, and remember, in one hour's time, it will be dark, Uh, so you better get ready to put your lights on fairly soon. Uh, The forecast tonight, rain across southern and central areas. (laughs) (laughs) He's not joking. No, you must remember to put on your lights. Can you talk a bit... 
Mick, can you talk a bit about the the process you go through, the uh, procedure you go through to get ready to put your lights on? Well, I I, I actually, um, fortunately, living near Mill Hill, we actually have an observatory near us. And I phoned the observatory <laughs> and, and asked them to give me the exact azimuth projection of where the sun is and where it will be. And I get them to use their supercomputer to wire it to me via the telex machine. Okay. And, and once I have the data, I get out my ready reckoner and crunch the uh, information as appropriate for my particular location, uh, at which point I make sure that the, um, the dungeon is well tended and the, torch- <laughs> and the torches are kerosened, ready for that okay. moment when, as he says, it gets dark. It's true. Do you know what? Since uh, I've just been absolutely all over the place getting my lights on in time, uh, <laughs> since the demise of CFAX. Do you know what happens when you don't get your lights on in time? I don't. Well, there was... was it, it was the Isaac Asimov book, the, the story. Do you remember it? No, no. I've forgotten what it was called. I'm sure you can. people can email in to podcast at rumdoings.com or tweet at rumdoings. It's a story where this particular planet was configured with a binary star system, so it never got dark, except once every few thousand years where in a particular part of the uh, orbit uh, around these stars. And at that point, it went dark, and there was like a fossil record that every time this happened, that everything was burnt down and people went crazy because the first time <laughs> they ever experienced darkness and it was so terrible. And maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what Steve's worried about. It is a public service that the he's collapse of civilization. So he's reminded us. Good. It's a uh, civilization. Civilization. Okay, so I'm going to play you the the particular moment, but I think it's it turns out it's from a part a portion of his show which is quite you know apposite. Uh, to this podcast. Why hasn't he been rent asunder by Operation U Tree? <laughs> he's not. I don't think he's over sixty. <laughs> I think that's the problem. He did. He missed the cut. Oh right, because everybody over sixty and worked everybody. for the BBC was a pedophile. So, so yeah. do you know? It's funny. Like if you went back and listened to old episodes of Rum Doings, mm. um, we would we were accusing everyone. Well, I was pedophile at various. Well, you were certainly of being pedophiles at various points and not really understanding how right we were. <laughs> No, but there was. Turns out everyone was. No, but there was an extraordinary episode because I I, did, I thought I'd remembered and I actually tried to back. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the number now. Where I uh, accused, um, I, I I was accusing various people of these sorts of what things. What are you doing? You eating your microphone? And, and then we and then we talked about uh, Jimmy Savile, and I accused Jimmy Savile of all sorts of things, and you were having none of it. Oh, oh come on, Jimmy Savile is the most obvious of them all. You were having none of it. I I. I doubt it very much i'm very clever and write about most things everything so, so there's a there's a portion of his program which is called uh factoids does he know what factoids actually mean? no because okay. it was your uh, great uncle right who yes. invented the word yes which which uh, uh, which annoyingly has become a self-referential problem because factoids yes. are meant to be a little fact that everybody thinks is right but it's actually not right and steve wright has usurped for example uh, and we discussed that, a factoid. Um, your hair and nails continue to grow after yeah, you die. That's a factoid. Because yes, it's indeed. not actually true. Should we explain why or should we let people... Um, let, let people stew in their own miasma. Okay. So, um, so if, bizarrely enough, your own bloodline created this word. And, it's been um, abused. It's being abused and just generally thrust about, flapped against the walls. Here's a factoid. Wright. Here's a factoid. 
A factoid is a little fact. There you go. Perfect example of a factoid. Yes. Um, and so unfortunately, that's what it is on on Steve Wright's program. Um, so this was, it turned out this was within that. I didn't know that I was just there. Um, I've got I hope he has a 1980s um, Amiga sample going, factoid, doid, doid, doid. He really, really does. Oh, I was being funny. I know. So I'm going to play just the little moment, just the one clip that I that I called this emergency meeting about. Right. Okay. Um, because we just need to hear that moment. Then I will play the whole of the factoid section, and we you can just shout stop whenever you need to interject. Okay. But we're just going to this. This is why we called this meeting. Um, okay. Okay. Let's get ready now. You haven't heard this before we started recording. Oh, actually, yeah. you'll have my waveform um, when I'm talking about things anyway. So even though you'll be splicing over your side of things, you'll have my side. That's good. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Lovely. Okay. Okay, so um so here we go. This is the moment. I just need to press that and then I need to press that. I've got another cat factoid here. Cat usually has about 12 whiskers on each side of its face. 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There and then there. Thank you. Do you know Samuel Morse? <laughs> what? Isn't he being a pa- is he not parodying himself there? It's just there's no context for that to be the case. That's either, that's either poetically brilliant or the man is wretched. I, I don't know. <laughs> he literally explains the concept of 12. Uh, yes, uh, uh, of, of, of sequentialism. <laughs> it's like, it's like that's, even if he were joking, even if he were, you wouldn't do all the numbers. You go, one, two, three, four, and then you go, <laughs> you wouldn't get to 12. Also... Um, there's something profoundly uninteresting about the fact that uh, the average cat yes. has 12 whiskers. And yes. Bra- and it's probably not really true. It's probably just an average, you know. But, but I, I, I can't... I was sitting <coughs> at the pet shop, just, just... My ears and every, my brain just went, E, giant E, just appeared in front of my eyes. Yeah, but I bet you that as soon as you got home, you sat Dexter down and counted his whiskers. Do you know what I was? I was with Dexter. He was sat on me, and I was thinking, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to count his whiskers. I don't care how many he is." <laughs> Poor Dexter. I reckon he might have about uh, fourteen on each side. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yes, that's the way sequentialism works. <laughs> that's, that's the number twelve. It. It was just. I I, I, the banality of it, the depth of awfulness. The fact doing that this he for decades. is so many decades, and he just sits there in front of this microphone and has so little to say. So na- he never had anything to say in the first place. So he began empty. But I don't and know he's... what he was like as a Radio One DJ at the beginning. Do you have any memory? He had he had characters like Mister Angry who shouted a lot, right. and. And a postman, and it was like a zoo format breakfast show. I never, I've only heard clips of it in in high, but it was just, you know, hateful, hateful stuff from right. the very beginning. He began on empty, and he's gone down since then. And the the fact that he sat there so pathetically desperate to fill the maybe fifteen minutes of actual talk time he does in his three hour show, <laughs> that he counted to twelve. That that's why you and I had to uh, speak together right now. Good. Okay, I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the whole thing. I will stop it. You just shout stop, and I will stop it. And editing this will be a complete nightmare. But I've, I you know, so. Laura's Laura's away tomorrow, so I've got the whole day. Good. Um, okay, so this is this is the factoids section of the show. Here we go. Just shout stop if you want me to pause, and okay. I'll fumble about because this is 
on my phone. The biggest wildcat today is the Siberian tiger. It can be more than 12 feet, that's 3.6 metres long, about the size of a small car. And it can weigh up to 700 pounds, that's 317 kilograms. A Siberian tiger. (laughs) I'm stopping it there. I love the conversion to metric. My favourite bit of that is... My favourite bit of that is... The size of a small car. the The biggest wildcat today... Well, like he's maybe. just got the he's just got the numbers in for today. Oh, Ooh, no, knocking, but, no, knocking maybe, tiger into second place. Ah, but no, maybe he means um, the biggest wild cat still extant, not a saber tooth tiger. For yes, example, I, he, I know that's what he means, but it's the way he says it. He delivers it like it's today's results of the, well, the cat uh, leagues. While I was listening to it, it did sound as if that were the case. Um, it sounded <laughs> like this is today's, today's latest info. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm going to play. I'll carry on now. I was looking at a lynx earlier this week in Montreal. They've got lovely big pointy ears. Oh, what did you go to the zoo? No, we went to the biodome. Oh, tell me about it. The biodome is basically four different climates under a great big dome, right next to the 1976 Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Fabulous. Yeah, looking at the four different climates in the Americas. Lovely. It was, yeah. Who was speaking to whom there? I've, it's someone else in the studio. I wouldn't have the That's faintest idea. That's not a character. It's, it's, it's another human being who, who, whose voice, I think, is... He doesn't miss any letters out. He doesn't have a particularly strong accent. And yet he somehow manages to use the English language in a way that offends me more than anyone else, I've decided. But what's odd about that is, again, I can't tell the tone. Is it being deeply sardonic or is it being sincere? I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to parse. Well, it's Steve Wright's... Oh, tell me, did you go to the zoo? <laughs> it, no, it sounds like it's just horribly over-rehearsed. But I don't understand. Is it meant to be a bit arch or not? I, 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 I wanted to think it was, but it's just in it, in totality. It, is, it just isn't. It's, it's sincere. It's a feature they do on the show every day. They're sincerely describing the biodome. So, OK, I'll carry on. It's fabulous. Okay. It's, it's fa- fabulous. I'll carry on now because yeah. we haven't got because there's a moment later on after the um, after, after cat whiskers, which I think really does descend into the Chris Morris moment. There are 200 different cell types in the human body and more than 100 trillion cells. I've got another cat factoid here. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the cells. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about humans and their cells. He wants to talk about cats. It's like he just happened to refresh the wrong Wikipedia page at that moment. Yes. And he just wants to gloss over that. No, you press the wrong button there. OK, so we're going to go through the 12 again, right? Cat usually has about 12 whiskers on each side of its face. 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There and then there. Thank you. Do you know Samuel Morse? <laughs> Was he a detective? <laughs> <laughs> in Oxford. Yes. No, he was the inventor of the Morse code. Yeah, invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1791 to 1872. Actually, better known as a painter than a scientist for most of his life. What? He studied art at Yale. Like a painter decorator? No. <laughs> Sorry, mate, I was on another job. I was just inventing Morse code. The only English word that contains a triple letter is goddess ship. So that's G O D D E S S S. H I P. Factoids. <laughs> it's incredible. I think it's um, exhilarating in its own way. <laughs> I'd like to um, 
what I'd like to do is I'd like to take the Tate Modern Turbine Hall. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to have a recording of every single one of those factoid sections that he has ever produced. <laughs> I'm sure there's an archive of them, and there probably is many hours worth by now. 10,000 of them, I would, yeah. would have thought. And each one will be looped, coming out of a separate speaker within the turbine hall. Mm-hmm. And so as you're walking around, you just hear these garbled bits of miscellanea mid-Atlantically winging their way between one ear and the other. So they're all playing simultaneously? Yes. But you can you can pick out individual ones, or it's just a, a, you, a mad Well, noise. if you get close enough to a speaker, you can, but it kind of then flows into the next one as you move forward. So wherever you're standing, uh, one of you know, those directional speakers, where they're very directional. So if you, okay, happen, yeah, to be, yeah. if you happen to be standing with your ear cocked in a particular way, you'll hear one factoid, but the moment you move, you're suddenly hearing another one. And I just like the whole vast expanse of the turbine hall to just be filled with these... I think that would be some of the best art ever made. <laughs> it's, so you're, you're a bit like a painter and decorator. <laughs> <laughs> a painter. Fish and chips, fish and chips. <laughs> a painter and decorator. Samuel, was this part of the big cat trivia? What, the, the Morse code man? Yeah, where did that come from? There were just some factoids, Nick. <laughs> I thought they stuck to a theme that, that disturbed me. Well, I feel like I feel like Steve Wright was desperately trying to stick to his cat theme, and the other guy was just constantly screwing him over with facts about cells and and and, uh, and Montreal theatres or whatever it was. Yes. Um, <laughs> have you? You've never actually listened to his program properly, have you? Not on purpose, no. Um, John. Did you know yes. that a, 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 a cat has more bones than a human? What? Humans have 206, but the cat has 230. Two, uh, sorry, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand the concept of 230. Do I need to go on? Yes, explicit detail. <laughs> oh, goodness. Did you know that cats... Lap liquid from the underside of their tongue, not from the top. Yeah, I did actually know that. There's some quite good slow-mo videos of that on YouTube. (laughs) Well, you didn't know that the domestic cat is the only species able to hold its tail vertical while walking. No, I did not. This is is riveting now. A cat cannot see see directly under its nose. (laughs) Not can I? My top lip, I'd have to pull my top lip right out. Yeah. See how I hilariously misunderstood there. Unlike humans, cats do not need to blink their eyes on a regular basis to keep their eyes lubricated. Have you visited catfacts.com? Absolutely not. I just know these things. It's just random cat facts. <laughs> yes, uh, totally random cat facts. Do you want They're some not hist- facts, Nick. They're factoids. Factoids. Do you, do you want a, a historical cat factoid? Uh, only if it's about the Egyptians. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you know that ancient Egyptian family members shaved their eyebrows in mourning when the family cat died? No, no, no. What What do I do with that information now? Eat it for dinner. 
<laughs> so I take that, pop it in my pocket, and uh, bring it out to surprise someone at some point later in the day. Is that maybe the idea that people like to go, oh, blimey, I, uh, do you know, I was listening to radio this afternoon. Uh, did you know that the biggest cat in the world is a uh, hundred million human whiskers? <laughs> One, two, three, four, nine, twelve. <laughs> I'll be careful. From now on, every time I say a number to someone, I'm going to count to that number straight afterwards. Be very careful. Cat bites are more likely to become infected than dog bites. Why? Just be careful. <laughs> I want to know where you're getting these facts from. Just be careful. I'm going to Google cat facts. And also consider the fact that six-toed kittens are so common in Boston and surrounding areas of Massachusetts that experts consider it an established mutation. Cats make about 100 different sounds. Dogs only make about 10. Mm, dogs. <laughs> Dude, uh, by the way, um, Gr- uh, Gregory and his wife, that's my brother, as you know, they had a, a new baby, uh, Jessica. Gregory's married to your brother? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> here's a fact about brothers. Brothers are related to you. The uh, fact that Baby's cry seems to have come as a big surprise to them. Oh, no one that, warned them. No, they didn't warn them that babies cry at night. So they did, he did the usual, um, it's one in the morning, uh, I'm going to take the baby for a very long drive in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to try, because she got so hysterical. So he was driving around in the car, and he tried the white noise, and the white noise didn't work to be, keep her quiet. So what was the only thing that soothed her? Was it the vacuum cleaner, Nick? In the car, no, it was oh. what Judy calls the daddy radio. It ah. must now be called the uncle radio. So, <laughs> so here's a factoid. Did you know that rub doings is the only clinically proven way to soothe your infant? <laughs> I don't know, it seemed afterwards. Yeah. Oh. oh my goodness, number 45 on this list of cat facts I found. Uh-huh. A cat usually has... About 12 whiskers on each side of its face. Yeah, That's... I found that on my site as well. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, there, and there. Thanks. I like the thanks. <laughs> yeah. Cat's urine glows under a black light. <laughs> What's happened? Here we are. We're on the same site. I found the bones fact. Have you? I don't know. It was number 76. Number 70. No, our minds are not numbered, so we're not on the same side. Oh, how exciting. What this does show is that really um, putting together these radio programs these days must be just astonishingly simple. Well, that was what was so strange going through the episode to find the moment was realising how little they actually say. They they had a section where they play back to back bunch of oldies because they were selected by uh, Claire Richmond in uh, in Richmond, Surrey. Thanks very much, Claire, who picked the most you know the most banal, obvious. I'm gonna have Walk on the Wild Side, and hmm. then I'll have Dancing Queen. But hold on, Walk then... on the Wild Side was very naughty and bad. Actually, I was saying that Walk on the Wild Side is a bloody brilliant song. Exactly, and it was banned, so I think it was a very bad example. Sorry, I, I I was just trying to think of a generic radio, and I did a bad job. And I'm, I, you did a very, I very, very bad job. Really bad uh, do you want me job. to help you instead? You have a go. Okay, I'll help you. What they actually... Uh, uh, the Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. 
And then the power of love straight afterward. Yes. And then the power of love. There's about three different major hits called the power of love. Yeah. It's the power of love. That was the very 80s sound, the Peter Cetera sound, where he they phased his voice so it sounds like he was singing into a fan. I love singing into a fan. It's so much fun. It is. And you can pretend you're a robot taking over the world. This is true. Everyone right now, go find a fan and just speak. Just talk into the fan. You won't believe yeah, how the, great you feel about yourself as a result of doing this. There may be people who actually haven't done that. No, I'm sure there are. I'm sure. Well, today I, I, I revealed on the Twitters mm-hmm. about the, the amazing fact that even your wife hadn't realised that you don't have to make a humming noise when you gargle. You do. <laughs> it turns out you don't. No, I think you do. I think it makes it a more stable... <laughs> some people were trying to argue get a better quality gargling you do it's like, a, it's like a kegel exercise for your mouth <laughs> I want to know if different pitches of gargle have received different results have you ever gargled son I beg your pardon have you ever gargled son gargled the son gargle sung oh gargle sung yes of course I've gargle sung <laughs> <laughs> That sort of thing, but yeah, with, exactly. with, with with the fluids. Of course, of course, I've gargled some. So why and, wouldn't you? Oh, that's a fair point. Why would you silent gargle? Well, the reason you silent gargle is just to freak people out to make them realise it's a possibility. Yes. Mm. Although, I had some people saying if they don't hum when they gargle, they they drown, and some people saying that if they do hum when they gargle, they drown. No, those people are incorrect. But like, I, was, this all, I was gargling only this morning because I went to the dentist. So I thought, I'll, uh, I'll make you, life easier on this poor old fellow. You went to your father. I didn't actually. I had an affair. You had a dental affair. I know. I bet you I that s- this this guy actually knew how to put a um, uh, an anaesthetic in. What are you talking about? Your father keeps pretending just because your father wants to abuse you and oh, hurt you. <laughs> so, so he says, oh, John, I just can't seem to get the anaesthetic working for you. Let me get you back for those years of pain you put me through as a young child. <laughs> this is your GCSEs. <laughs> this is what... Do you want to see what a dentist with a U or an N grade would do? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to get an anaesthetic today or was it No, not at all. The reason, the reason I, I had an affair, the reason I saw another dentist behind my dad's back was because I just had a very silly little chip and a top tooth and it was only a five minute thing. And I thought, I don't think it's really worth traveling 200 miles and taking an entire day for a five minute thing. Oh, right. But how did you find this dentist? Were you just wandering around an alley and then the car, you pulled your car over? David Schneider did it for me. We should talk about David Schneider. We may as well make this full length yeah. now. Yeah, well, we're already here, aren't we? Yeah. I, I was complaining about David Schneider on twitter the other day yes because he only ever posts quite bad puns and quips about the news which are only there to make a pun occasionally i mean he's a very very left-wing man there are photos of him in riots in the early 80s and that kind of thing but he he hides that and cuddles it all up so he'll occasionally do some pun about how the government's being naughty but turn it into wordplay or whatever yeah yeah and this, the joke that he did was just so bad the other day that I had enough, and I and I thought there is a lack of sincerity there. That if you want to engage or you want to pretend that you're an engaging, interesting fact, it's almost become sociopathic when your whole public engagement is just puns, and that's all there is to you. 
um, I, I didn't like. And now people say, well, it's not just that. There's it's it's not a, it's uh, that's just his Twitter persona. But, maybe maybe uh, but no, but, had... but he also uses his Twitter persona to promote his other stuff. And this is where it gets important. He has seminars and lectures where he mm. teaches people about how good he is at Twitter and how you can be like him. Guardian seminars. But I'm just wondering, before before we talk about those, I'm just wondering, maybe someone's taken out a super injunction against his saying anything else? <laughs> That's what also annoys me, because... Well, of course. He's a cheeky, chirpy, cheeky chappy who does little puns, but actually, yeah. in reality... Mm. Mm-hmm. So he, yes, yes I, I watched uh, as a result of your your grumbling. I watched one of his one of the bits. He did a thing on five ways to improve your business on Twitter. Yes, um, for the Guardian, and he kept saying again and again throughout this that the most the most important thing is to be human, to be yeah. a person. Yes. And I thought, but that's the opposite of what you do. Well, exactly, and that's what annoys me. If he were just a, a gag account and that was it, that would be fine. But yeah, it isn't. And he then, but then he does use his account to promote his stuff occasionally. That's the only other thing he does. He never replies to people, really. He never engages with people. And I think there is something... It's almost like I could run a counter-seminar and say, this is actually quite alienating, and this is how not to be a celeb. Well, no, but... The- I agree, you could do that, but the thing is, he's what he's preaching is quite the opposite of what he does. He kept going and saying, even if you're a business, even if you're a, you know, you're representing a, a firm, you're still yes. a person, and it's really important that you are a person and you engage with people, and when people talk to you, talk back to them, you're and that humane. you just acknowledge yeah. you're a human. The precise yeah. opposite of what he does. I hadn't realised that, but that makes my my feelings even more uh, concrete. Yes, that's yeah. that's very interesting, and. I, it's weird. I mean, it's totally trivial, but actually, I began to feel just the, just a perfectly human. Hold on, this is this is verging on the sociopathic now because it's a kind of shimmer of bonhomie interaction, and then you look behind the mask and there's nothing there, and it's just a little unnerving. Uh, and I suppose it's unnerving because it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and there's never any little glint. There's ne- never any respite. It's it's you never ever see anything behind that mask at all, except of course tacitly for those many months where he wasn't saying anything at all. Remember? Yes, I do I f- remember. I found them quite super. Mm. <laughs> see, I've recently discovered a chap on Twitter called Ken Jennings. That's his Twitter at Ken Jennings, and yes. he's a, in America. He's fa- apparently, he was very good at Jeopardy and did very well on that show and won lots of money. Mm-hmm. Um. But his Twitter account is mostly gags. But every now and then, it's just a personal thought or a real life thing. And he writes a weekly quiz for some for Slate magazine or something. And yeah, it's just you need just occasionally yeah. you need to show this isn't a bot. Yeah, this isn't exactly. A bot. This is a this is a human. Um, it's a kind of Turing test thing, isn't it? Really, it's kind of don't worry. This is neither a sociopath nor a computer. There is a human brain and psychology working behind that, and uh, that's what celebs need to realise. Of course, I mean, one doesn't really follow celebs because they all turn out to be utterly wretched people, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. As, as we know. But um, if you, I think it is possible to play the game well, and he talks a good talk, but when he actually does it himself, no, nothing. And I think it's getting increasingly important that uh, your average celeb knows how to play this game well because it's what 
these days will pretty much make or break your reputation, I think. I kind of, I don't know if I agree with you. I think one of the saddest things about Twitter is that it's broken down the sense that the celebrity is special in some way. When you have direct contact with them and you can just go, oh, hello, and they go, oh, hello, back. Well, there's nothing special left about so them anymore. I didn't believe, I didn't know that you liked idol worship. Well, I kind of do in the in the sense that Even. I want if, if this person is funny on the TV and makes me laugh, or someone I, I, I listen to on the radio and and, and makes me think. I, I like that about that person. Mm. I want them to be special. I want them to be separate in some way. And when you see them on Twitter going, "Oh, I've got horrible bunged up nose today," that it kind of the illusion, the magic goes a little bit for me. No, no, I. I... It depends. I can see what the banality could be there, but on the other hand, that can be handled well. I find somebody who does that quite well is actually Andrew Neil, bizarrely. Yes, you are big. You're always retweeting him because I think he um, he does a lot of self promotion, obviously, and obviously all his shows that he does with the BBC. But he interacts and talks with people, and then he occasionally talks about his Labradors, but never in a way that's too soppy or becomes too problematic and he will also then send some interesting quotes from various articles and so so that's a sort of that's i think what a celeb should be doing occasionally interesting links a bit of self-promotion and occasionally mentioning the labradors yeah that seems that sounds that sounds good to me do you know who i like on twitter i think the only celebrity i follow is uh, eddie mayer from from pm oh yeah eddie mayer is good Oh, he's so good. Did you but, hear today's? No, I, I don't. He's a sort of person. It's a bit like um, Late Junction on Radio 3. It's sort of thing that if one were a <laughs> yes. good person, one would listen to it every day. And it's occasionally one sadly remembers one isn't and doesn't. I tend to catch it because I, I tend to uh, be making dinner during the, that hour slot. Yes. Not to eat then. That would be madness. But yeah. when Laura gets home at 6.30, she bursts through the door jaw agape, furiously screaming for food, just pointing, pointing into well, her Remember, she's, she's been rebuilt in the lab and is ready is to, true. for her first sustenance. And so I have to um, have to make sure food's ready then, otherwise I can lose limbs. It's awful. That was a callback there. He, it was a good callback. I liked yeah, it. It was good. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, so I tend, to, I tend to catch the second half of, of PM. But today's was a special one. It was... Uh, this, I, just wanna, I just want to briefly talk about why Eddie Mayer is a lovely man. And how... Actually, I was thinking how much I'd love to have him interview him on... How I just to have him. Do you see what I said? I had to have him like sex. Yeah, you want to. Uh, but I'd like him to come on Wrongdoings, actually, because... Come on Wrongdoings like sex. <laughs> on um, rum like, like alcohol. <laughs> doings. <laughs> I, do, I said egg. Do, do, doing like, like poon. <laughs> so, rum like bum. Um, I think he'd be a really fun guest on on Rum Doings. We should try to sort that out sometime. I'll sort it out. So, yeah. Okay. You need just need to host his website or something, and then that will happen. Well, I went. I it was weird. I, I had to uh, a client of uh, we've done some stuff for the BBC. The and, uh, BBC and a client of ours through a client of ours, and I'd written some of the software for them and so on. And one of the guys at in BBC Broadcasting House, a producer. Um, wasn't able to access some of the software because of some rubbish on the BBC web browser that he had. And we were trying to talk him through via email on the phone. Eventually said, I said, look, I'll, I'll just come in. Uh, and so I went to Broadcasting House and uh, went inside and he was there. And I fixed his problem. And then he said, and then he was very, said, oh, you, you can find your own way out, can't you? And at which point I just walked out and I just could go anywhere within Broadcasting House Woo-hoo! that I wanted to. So what I should have done is gone to Eddie Mayer and kidnapped him. Yes. And put him in your cellar. 
made him say just lovely, gentle things in a really cleverly oh. wry way. He so to, he looked too young in a photo I saw of him, though. I wanted him to be He used to be... He, he presented a terrible TV programme um, uh, a long time ago, I think late 90s. It was, it was based on... No, no it, must been, it must have been 2000s, because it was based on the Rome Total War video game technology. Gosh. And it didn't make any sense. It was a bemusing show. And he was a big, big fat man. And now he's oh. a, not a big fat man at all. Oh, that's good. So he's, he's, he's dramatically younged as he's got older. He he does a certain calm wryness, which that's the, it's the is very that... difficult to do because he always keeps it on just the mm-hmm. right side of cheeky. He's, he's he's absolutely perfect. So, but there's a sincerity about him too, which is exceptional. So that's what I, so uh, there's been a tradition for the last five years on PM, and around this time of year, he phones this guy up who lives in who as I think he works on some big estate in um, Wiltshire, and this guy just describes autumn to him hmm. and they just do it once a year and every year they promise that they'll do an outside broadcast with them the next year and they don't and this year they did so this year t- today's episode was um him down they, they, they took the crew down and they did the show from this space in wheelchair he walked around the estate with this guy for two and a half hours in the afternoon uh just chatting about autumn and how lovely it was right oh. and they just and then brought and then that was edited down to six minutes for this hour-long news program on radio four. Oh. But then, like, I was listening a couple of days ago and they were saying, he's saying that, because he's very excited, they just got the new Raja figures and it turns out that today is, the, uh, PM is the second biggest show on Radio 4 after uh-huh. after today. And he's very excited and pl- proud of this. So he keeps crowbarring mentions of it into his serious news programme. So he said, um, uh, as you may have heard, that, that we've had, uh, we're the big, second biggest show on Radio 4. And um, so he said, like, uh, so many percent of our audience this, uh, average age of our audience is 54 and um, something like, I think it said like 30% of our audience, either at 5pm at the beginning or 6pm at the end, like to open a bottle of wine. Now, I made that last part up, but those people who do that will be interested to learn yeah. that there, uh, such and such a group has announced that there is a global wine shortage. And at this point played in a dunk, dunk, dunk sting. <laughs> I thought, wow, now, okay, now that's, this is just, PM has now become something entirely his own. It's no longer even, can't even be sensibly considered news now. <laughs> but it does cover the news very sensibly. It covers it brilliantly, and, and, and the reports they have, are, and his interviews are, in, are hardcore and Yes, smart. but that's the thing. He is able to keep wry whilst being deadly serious in a way that's very difficult to achieve. He does it in a way that, say, someone like um, Rachel Maddow or Keith Olbermann can't quite do Yes. It. Yeah. Well, there, there was a, another episode, another moment this week. He was interviewing. I'm going to get some facts wrong here, but some factoids wrong. But he was um, he was interviewing a, 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 a university professor of history, and the guy from his voice was clearly very old. Yes. And he was explaining. He was he was interviewing him for some background on a serious news story, and the guy was explaining it. And at the end of the end of it, the guy had made an analogy or something, and he mentioned his dogs. And as he said it, you could. Hear the love for his dogs in this guy's voice, and Eddie Mayer caught it, and his he you, clearly he just abandoned everything he was planning to talk about, and he just went, "Tell us more about your dogs," hmm. and it was this magical moment as the guy just went, "Okay," and he just he just said this thing, he just talked from his heart, and Eddie Eddie Mayer said, "Oh my goodness, I'd just love to keep talking to you about this for the rest of the show, but I'll get in trouble," and, and then moved on to the next item. <laughs> And it was just, just magical. He just, he, and it was because he heard the passion in the guy's voice and thought, screw what we're talking about. 
he's passionate about this. I'm going to ask him about that. And was, yes. And for our American listener, it's important to understand this is a this isn't uh, some talk radio program where the presenter can go off and talk about what he feels like. It's a very serious news program in which is it's an hour long news show at five to six in the evening that covers all the main stories of the day. Have. Think of the most serious NPR news yeah, program you can, exactly. and then make it more important than that. And then, and then suddenly contains these magical moments. But then, you know, did you, you presumably used to listen to him on Broadcasting House when he was on, on Sundays? Yes, and I think it's a shame he isn't on Sundays because he was very oh. suited to Sundays. It now was, Sundays was, is just depressing. Well, yeah, indeed. And, and he came out, but and when he started on PM, I, my first thought was, oh my goodness, like five days of, of Broadcasting House. And of course it wasn't that and it was disappointing. But over the years since, he's, he's bent and twisted and shaped PM to being far more like it. Well, do you remember they, there was that man who did the parody of A Day's Worth of Radio 4 on, on YouTube? Did you see that? No, I didn't. And he did it right from the beginning, and he did the art, and he did uh, impressions of everything that was happening. And he says, uh, and then and Eddie Mayer doing a right look at it about from 5 till 6, Eddie Mayer doing a right look, and then from 6 till 6.30, the exact same thing again, except without the jokes. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect description. Yes. Um, um, do, you know he, who, do you know who he reminds me of a bit? Who's that? He's like the heir to Vincent Hanna. Do you remember Vincent Hanna? No. You don't? Well, uh, look him up and you, you think you'll agree with me. He's, he's, okay. he's the reincarnation of Vincent Hanna. I think he died in 97. Okay. I, but I just want to celebrate Eddie Mayer, really, because he's just... As you say, and it's that right... If, if people listen, they'll realise it's like... He's, he's, it's never sarcastic, but no. it's, it nudges toward it and then pulls back. Is he on... Is he so? Does he do Twitter properly then? Yes, he does. He doesn't tweet very often, which is good. Yeah. Um, and when he does, he tweets. Sometimes he, he mostly tweets about what's coming up on the show that day, but it's not s- silly promotional stuff. It's it's what he's excited about. It's the thing he's really pleased he's managed to get into the show that day. Right. Um, and then he's been tweeting, but they they were getting people to tweet pictures of autumn today, and they were getting the guy to describe the best pictures that came in, and and he was like getting really excited on Twitter today about the pictures that were coming in and stuff. Fair enough, good. Yeah, he's just a gentle, very, very smart and, and interesting guy. I think he'd be a brilliant rum doings guest. Okay, well, shall we get him in? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, well, arrange that cool. then. Well, it's 20 past midnight now. And that's the end of the emergency broadcast. Yes, I hope uh, a bonus a bonus special extra rum doing going up. I'll put it up tomorrow, I hope. Well, you, well you've got no excuse not to. You're not no. coming. You, you were invited to Judith's birthday party tomorrow. Other people your age and of interest are coming. But you refused for no well, reason I think, at all. I think you are forgetting the key reason why I refused. There was no key reason why. Your wife isn't even around, so you can't play with her. You just refused. Your, your daughter hates me. Oh, that, that might have changed. She made, she made her feelings about me very clear. She likes Laura. No, she doesn't. She hated Laura too. By the end of the cruise, we were, neither of us was welcome on, on board the boat. <laughs> what did she tell you? She just said to that. She said, "I'm you're not my friend." Oh well, never mind. So I thought, well, I'm not your friend. I'm not coming to your birthday party. Screw you. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, she's coming to stay in a couple of weeks, isn't she? So she is, and we'll have no screwing. Ugh. Yeah, Officer you tree. I shall. <laughs> uh... Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> go, go, and get the cream out of your fridge, and have a late night. Buffet of patissier and scones. I you need to tell me what to do about scones because they are just a carb nightmare. Do you do you miss, do you, do you always look 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 out for them? What do you mean? 
Well, I mean, I can forget about them for a year and not really care. What, scones? Hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've well, had them, a bag. I, I have them once and then scone. Oh, shush. <laughs> we, we have a bag of scones in our freezer from our wedding. Yeah, but those were good scones. Most They were, they were great think, scones, but I'm just I saying, think, they're in a bag in the freezer, yeah. we forgot about them. I think That's what, what happens. Because they're scones. I think what... Don't, gr- no, no. I think what's great about scones mm. is they're usually quite disappointed because they're not very well made. But you have to admit, the ones at our wedding were very good. They were very good. But they're made of flour, Nick, so you won't let me have them anymore. You can have them once a month. I okay, think, I think you should divorce your wife and then okay. remarry her okay. and have the scones again. Okay. At a next wedding. It's a good idea. In the gap between, am I allowed to just run off and make make pretty in the countryside and have fun as a single man? Yes, you may do that. Excellent. Okay. Well, I shall uh, I shall bid you good night. Yes. I, I shall expect this will go up in about three weeks' time when you actually do it. You're so rude. I got it. I did it. I didn't do it the same day this week. I just did it the next day when I had time. Okay. Well, I look forward to listening to it tomorrow. Um, uh, you've got all that editing to do. That's going to be a pain. But then again, you don't have a wife. Don't have a wife, and, and I don't have a four-year-old's birthday party to tolerate. <laughs> Smug it. <laughs> I, I'm just inviting you now, anyway. <gasps> That's it. I'm coming. Bye bye. Bye bye. As the actress said to the bishop. That's a weird thing to say. Bye bye. What was she? They just had a nice meeting and then she was off. <laughs>